Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Dynamic Duel Podcast, a weekly show where we review superhero films and debate the superiority between Marvel and DC by comparing their characters in stat-based battle simulations. I'm Johnny DC. And I'm his twin brother, Marvelous Joe. And in this episode, we are doing a duel between the Flash Rogue, the Pied Piper, and Songbird from the Thunderbolts. Yeah, these are both uh, Sonic Soundwave-powered characters. This is going to be in lead-up to our upcoming team duel match for our 325th episode in just nine weeks. We're going to find out who would win in a fight between the Flash Rogues and the Brotherhood of Mutants. So look forward to that, and look forward to this duel later on this episode. Before that, we're going to break down the comic book movie news to have come out this past week. Of which there is just one news item. It's still pretty slow news-wise until James Gunn announces his DC Slate Still waiting for that, but we did get in the past week the first trailer for the animated film Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. So we'll be talking about that. As always, we list our segment times in our episode description, so feel free to check out the show notes if you want to skip ahead to a particular topic. Don't forget, guys, to join us on Patreon, where we offer ad-free episodes of this show, access to our Discord chat community, where you can shoot the breeze with us, and access to our new Infinity Crisis Marvel vs. DC deck-building card game. Check it out right now at patreon.com slash dynamicduel, which is linked in our show notes. Our lowest Dynamic 2.0 tier is only $2 a month. And in our fantastic $4 tier, you get all of that, plus access to our monthly bonus episodes, including blooper reels and top 10 shows, as well as the visual data from our dual episodes at no extra cost. And finally, our X-Force tier, which is $10 a month, gets you all that, and you get to become an executive producer of this show and help us determine our episode content. Again, visit patreon.com slash dynamicduel and pick a tier that works for you. If you're interested in supporting the show, but not able to join Patreon, stop by our website, dynamicduel.com, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter, where we keep you informed on all things going on with the show, and you get free access to the visual data of the results from our latest Duel episode when you sign up and confirm your email. Thanks to everyone who chooses to support the show. We really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. But with that out of the way, quick to the no prize. A no prize is an award Marvel used to give out up until the 90s to fans. Our version, the Dynamic Duel No Prize, is a digital award we post on Instagram and in our newsletter for the person that we feel gave the best answer to our question of the week. Last week's question was, 
What Marvel or DC theatrical release are you most looking forward to in 2023? Got a whole lot of answers here. Let's go ahead and run down the honorable mentions as well as the no prize winner. Our first honorable mention goes to Miggy Mathengian, who said, Hey, what's up, guys? This is Miggy. No surprise to you guys, but the movie I'm looking forward to the most this year is Blue Beetle. Like I've said a million times in my answers, he's one of my favorite characters. He's got a dope power set, and his focus on family, I think, is something kind of unique to his story. Like how he just, like, when he first gets his powers, tells his family all about it. There's, like, no hiding. Also, it's just good representation, which is always important. Yeah, I remember during the Fandom event when the filmmakers were talking about Blue Beetle, they were talking with the star, Sholomari Duenya, about how unique it would be for someone of Latin descent to have superpowers and, and become a superhero in that there's no way they would be able to hide that fact from their family and there's no possible way that they could have a secret identity because families are so <laughs> close and all up in each other's business in the Latin community. Yeah, this movie was initially just going to be an HBO Max release, uh, but they kicked it up to a theatrical release, likely, hopefully, due to the quality of its script. So, yeah, we haven't gotten any promotional material like trailers for it or anything, but I have to believe that that's going to be coming within the next few months here. Yeah, at the very least, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a trailer for the movie in front of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And I can't wait, honestly. Blue Beetle is a really cool character, and I think his power set and just look is going to be amazing to see on screen. But great answer, Miggy. Our next honorable mention goes to Banjo Cullen, who said, Hey, Banjo Cullen here. I would probably have to say that the movie I'm most hyped for is Across the Spider-Verse. I've been waiting for this movie since I was eight, and I can't wait to watch it at the cinemas. Can't wait to see um, Oscar Isaac in his second Marvel ro role as... Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, great answer, Banjo. You're right. Oscar Isaac also played Mark Spector Moon Knight in the Moon Knight Disney Plus TV series. Technically, he did play Spider-Man 2099 prior because Miguel O'Hara had a small role at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. But he's just a great actor. Yeah. And the sequel looks like it's going to be a great movie. If the first film is any indication. The first film was just amazing. And although Across the Spider-Verse does have different directors... I have to hope that Sony is still putting the franchise in good hands. Yeah, the latest trailer wasn't too exciting, but I'm still excited for the movie. I mean, the first trailer was pretty exciting, so it'll be interesting to see how many different multiversal Spider-Man we see in this movie. If you guys don't know much about Spider-Man 2099 and want to learn more, definitely check out our dual episode where we pit him against Batman Beyond. That was a fun one. But great answer, Banjo. Our next honorable mention goes to Calvin John Delamer said, who said... Hi guys, Calvin here, and the movie that I'm most looking forward to is The Flash, but mostly because of Batman and Michael Keaton returning for the role. Because as a kid, I watched his movie, Batman and Batman Returns, only on the reruns, but now this time, I get to watch it on the cinema, and that makes me so happy, and I think as a DC fan, I just gotta watch it. So, yeah, thanks. Well, I can't say I'm exactly thrilled for the upcoming Flash movie, you know, mostly because of Ezra Miller's behavior off camera and because of the fact that they really seem to be shoehorning Michael Keaton's Batman in here as like almost fan service. You know, I want my Flash movie to be mostly about the Flash, but I would be kidding myself if I said I wasn't excited to see Michael Keaton return to the role. Yeah, he was our first Batman. I think the 89 movie was the very first live action superhero film that we saw. And he was great in the role. I'm really interested to see how he revisits this character, you know, some 30 years later. 
Yeah, and in addition to Michael Keaton as Batman, we'll also be getting Ben Affleck as Batman in his seemingly final performance in that role. Uh, something that Jacob Bell mentioned in his answer, where he also said that The Flash was the film that he was looking forward to the most this year. Yeah, shout out to him and also George Abelson and Rick McGrew, who also gave the answer of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Connor Pierce, who also said Blue Beetle. And Scott Camacho, who gave the answer of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. But the winner of this week's No Prize is Colby Hentges, who said, Hey boys, it's Colby Hentges. The movie I'm most looking forward to in 2023 is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, because of Jonathan Majors Kang. He was awesome in Lovecraft Country. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Yeah, Colby was the only one to answer with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I was actually really surprised by. The last trailer I thought was phenomenal. All the trailers for this have been phenomenal. And I would say it's the Marvel movie that I'm most looking forward to this year. So it's exciting that it's coming up really soon in theaters. Joseph, I believe you have your tickets already. Uh, Hell yeah, I do. I'm going to go see it at the Alamo and it's going to be fucking awesome. It looks like a great sci-fi movie, of course, introducing Kang, which will be a major setup for the MCU and Phase 5 as we lead into Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Yeah, with Phase 4 being, you know, Phase Snore or Phase Bore. Whatever. Or Phase Whore. (laughs) What? I gotta say, like, it'll be nice to have a villain at Kang's level really make his presence felt in the MCU. Well, I'm just excited that this Ant-Man movie seems to be like the next big stepping stone for the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe story arc. You know, after Endgame, Phase 4 had some movies that dealt with the fallout of that film, but it wasn't really addressed as much as I thought it would be. Here with this Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania movie, we not only get our last bit of fallout from Endgame, but we also get a launch pad for what's to come. So it feels like progress. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I do want to point out that even though Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, a Marvel movie, got the win for this answer, overall, more people answered with DC films than Marvel movies, even though Marvel's putting out more films this year, five to DC's four. Well, no one's really looking forward to Kraven the Hunter, right? So, right. We have that strike against us. Also, nobody gave the answer of the Marvels, uh, largely because I don't think we've seen any marketing from it. And Captain Marvel was a mid-tier Marvel movie. Yeah, that makes sense. No one answered Shazam! Fury of the Gods either. And I'm not sure why. It's because it's going to suck. You don't know that. I do wish that they would have put out a new trailer for it. Like recently, I'm kind of hoping that one appears in front of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't actually think Shazam! Fury of the Gods is going to suck. I actually think it looks pretty good. So that's right. Here's hoping. But congrats again to Colby Hentges for winning this week's No Prize. If you, the listener, want a shot at winning your own No Prize, stay tuned to later on this episode when we'll be asking another question of the week. And now that that's done, on to the news. Okay, this past week, we got our first trailer for the animated film, Batman, the Doom that Came to Gotham. Of course, this film is based on a three-issue story, Elseworld story, written by Mike Mignola and Richard Pace, which was awesome. And the trailer looks just as awesome. It's described as very Lovecraftian, though I didn't get much of that in the trailer. What I did get was like lots of sorcery and like zombies and just a whole bunch of badassness that you don't typically see in a Batman film. Now, I don't know anything about this story or this movie, but it definitely looks like it was created by Mike Mignola, who, of course, is the creator of Hellboy, which deals a lot with the occult and mystic adventures. 
Yes, yeah. Now, a lot of people have asked me if this is tied into Gotham by Gaslight, another DC animated film, but it's not. The Doom that came to Gotham is a separate Elseworlds story entirely that takes place in the 1920s, whereas Gotham by Gaslight takes place decades earlier. But they kind of have similar vibes, you know? It's pretty cool in that we get to see different redesigned versions of classic Batman characters in this trailer, such as Etrigan, Killer Croc, Ross al Ghul. Batman's design is pretty weird. For some reason, the whole collar concept seems to be making a lot of headway. Of course, we've seen it most recently in live action in the Batman film. Well, that color comes straight from the comic, from Mike Mignola's design. And it was also one that was kind of featured in Gotham by Gaslight. So I could see where people are making that connection still. I'm curious of what you thought about Batman's voice in this trailer. It sounded a little bit like his voice that was in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a little bit almost like a parody of Batman's voice more than an actual believable Batman voice. Well, in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, I believe that was Jimmy Kimmel who did Batman's voice. Um, But, you know, from the opening line of this trailer, all I heard was Keanu Reeves and his take on Batman's voice from League of Super Pets. That might be what I was thinking of, because I knew it like it sounded like some cartoon version of Batman that I've heard before. The voice actually comes from David Guntoli, who is reprising his role as Batman from Batman Soul of the Dragon. And I loved that film. That was a great movie for sure. This sounds like a completely different take on the character, but uh, I'm all for it. It looks like Batman delves a little bit into occultism in order to defeat this mystic foe within this movie, which is a strange concept, I think, for Batman because he's never been one to dabble in that. No, yeah, he's he's definitely avoided it and, you know, had other allies dabble in that when necessary. So it's kind of an interesting take on the character for sure. It definitely looks like this will be horror slanted. The film is rated PG-13 in part for disturbing images, but also partial nudity. No surprise there. Of course, it's an animated DC film. It has to have it. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the whole thing looks like it's going to be really exciting. I'm actually really looking forward to this. It's not coming out until late March, uh, March 28th specifically. So we'll be reviewing it when that comes out for sure. The movie should be an interesting dive into the mystic side of things. If it's anything like Mignola's work on Hellboy, I think it'll be pretty awesome. But uh, speaking of Hellboy, that brings us to our question of the week. What's your favorite comic book film that's not based on a Marvel or DC character? And I got to stress film here. Yeah, movies only. Be sure to record your answer at dynamicduel.com by clicking on the red microphone button in the bottom right-hand corner, which will prompt you to leave us a voicemail. Your message could be up to 30 seconds long, and don't forget to leave your name in case we include you on the podcast. We'll pick our favorite answer and award that person a Dynamic Duel no prize that we'll post to Instagram and our email newsletter. Be sure to answer before January 28th. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. But that does it for the news portion of this episode. Now let's move on to the main event, where we find out who's going to win in a battle between the Flash Rogue, Pied Piper, and the Thunderbolt team member, Songbird.
Pied Piper versus Songbird. These are two admittedly obscure characters. If you're not familiar with the Flash's rogues, you maybe have never heard of Pied Piper or, you know, maybe you're just familiar with like the children's tale. But Pied Piper is a villain turned vigilante who uses a flute primarily to manipulate sound for different effects. And Songbird is a prominent Thunderbolts member. I know that Marvel is in the process of making a movie called the Thunderbolts, but it doesn't really seem anything like the comics. In the books, the team was formed by Baron Zemo and consisted of villains, formerly of the Masters of Evil team, that were pretending to be heroes with secret plans to conquer the world. The heroes subsequently formed a mutiny against Baron Zemo and decided to form a real superhero team. And that is basically the history of the Thunderbolts. Songbird has always been one of the more like steadfast, moral members of the team and has co-led and even led the Thunderbolts at one point. So these two characters have like the reformed villain angle going for them in addition to their sound manipulation abilities. So I think it's going to be a pretty awesome match. And I've been hearing rumors that they're actually going to cast Songbird in the Thunderbolts movie. But that kind of seems like wishful thinking on behalf of Thunderbolts comic book fans. But we'll see. The character has definitely at least made appearances in like Marvel cartoons and video games. Oh, really? Yeah. I think this is a pretty good match. Uh, once we heard that Donald Glover was going to make a Hypno Hustler movie, I was really trying to push the executive producers into doing Pied Piper versus Hypno Hustler, uh, just because I thought that would be <laughs> hilarious. But no. I will say Songbird is much more well-known, and I'm glad that we're doing this match. She has a cool look to her. I think they both do. Like, as much as you wouldn't think a guy with a flute would look badass, Pied Piper actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, he has a cool look. But uh, if you've never listened to one of our dual episodes before, the way we determine a winner between these two characters is by running 1,000 Monte Carlo simulations using their statistics. A Monte Carlo simulation is a probabilistic model used to determine outcomes through random sampling. And in our case, it randomizes statistics along a normal distribution, which is a bell curve, as a way to simulate the many variables that can occur during battle. The stat parameters we use are based on the official Marvel power grid, and we use that criteria to extrapolate the DC character stats. We've included some additional stat categories of our own, such as range, damage potential, versatility, and perception, in order to create a more complete and robust simulation. Running these 1,000 simulations gives us a percentage of wins for each character, and we declare the one with the higher percentage to be the ultimate victor, considering that they're more likely to win any given battle. No character ever wins 100% of the time. Comics have shown that there's usually a way for Batman to defeat Superman, and we feel our method falls in line with the precedents that have been established in the comic book stories. And we use this method because it was the least subjective, most unbiased way to determine who would win. Of course, Jonathan and I are both heavily biased toward our respective allegiances. Uh, so instead of debating these matches forever, we just let the math decide for us. So there's no fan votes here and no relying on just feats. Before we run the simulations, though, we like to break down each character's histories and abilities before improvising a scenario on how we imagine one of the 1000 simulations we run would play out beat for beat. And it's my turn to go first with the Marvel character for this episode. So let me go ahead and tell you guys all about Songbird, whose real name is Melissa Gold. Melissa Gold was born in Shoshone, Wyoming, in a tragically broken home. When Melissa was very young, she was forced to live under her abusive alcoholic father after her mother, Mimi Gold, was imprisoned for robbery. Eventually, Melissa's circumstances became too much to bear and she ran away from home to live on the streets. 
She developed a cold, hard-edged personality to survive, and began referring to herself as Mimi, after her mother, whom she imagined was looking out for her. As a teen, Melissa dated a criminal named Mike, who framed her for theft after police caught him with stolen goods, and she was arrested and incarcerated. While in prison, Melissa met the costumed criminal wrestler Pound Cakes, who took a liking to her. And when what? they got out, yeah, it's a real character, Pound Cakes. Anyway, let's move along. <laughs> when the two got out, Pound Cakes invited her to join her team of supervillain wrestlers called the Grapplers, which also included Titania and Letha. Which, saying it out loud, is just ridiculous because it sounds like I'm saying Lisa with a lisp. <laughs> These are horrible names. Melissa became a member of the group under the name Screaming Mimi, professional wrestling with the team during the day, and moonlighting as paid goons for the greedy Roxxon Oil Company at night. The corporation hired the Grapplers to invade the government's Project Pegasus facility, and for the job, Roxxon supplied them with cybernetic enhancements. Melissa received an apparatus in her neck that converted her voice to a high-frequency sonic scream, though she and the group's new powers were no match for the heroes Quasar and Goliath, who stopped the grapplers and had them jailed. After being let out on parole, the group parlayed their notoriety into careers as professional wrestlers in the new Superpowered Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation. There, the grapplers traded their Roxxon cybernetic enhancements for biological ones via the Power Broker, who was offering strength and power augmentations for indebted favors. The grapplers' criminal antics resulted in dire consequences, however, when a vigilante named Scourge killed Titania and Letha, and the group disbanded. Melissa joined the Masters of Evil supervillain team on an invitation from Baron Zemo, whom you can learn more about in our Lex Luthor vs. Baron Zemo duel episode. She left the team, however, when she met and fell in love with the similarly powered villain, Angar the Screamer. Not too long after, though, Angar was killed during a robbery gone wrong and died in Melissa's arms. She let out a scream that obliterated her voice, but she was found by Baron Zemo, who brought her back into the Masters of Evil team. There, the tech villain, known as the Fixer, nursed her voice back to health with new tech implants based on the sonic technology of Black Panther's villain named Claw. This let Melissa create hard sound constructs with her voice. When most of Earth's heroes, like the Avengers and Fantastic Four, were seemingly killed by the psychic entity known as Onslaught, Baron Zemo rebranded his Masters of Evil team as heroes and called them the Thunderbolts in order to gain the public's trust. The Fixer became Techno, Beetle became Mach 1, Goliath became Atlas, Moonstone became Meteorite, and Melissa, then still known as Screaming Mimi, became Songbird. Zemo himself took on the guise of the hero named Citizen V. The public praised the new team, unaware of the Thunderbolt's secret plot to conquer the world. However, Melissa and other members of the group began to enjoy serving as heroes and turned against their leader, Baron Zemo, stopping his plans and helping save the Avengers. As the Thunderbolts transformed into an outlaw superhero team, now led by Hawkeye, Melissa began a romantic relationship with her fellow villain-turned-hero, Mach 1. Melissa soon became second-in-command to the team, and eventually the team leader when Hawkeye moved on. She was in this role during the superhero Civil War, in which Congress issued legislation that would require costumed fighters to register and operate under government supervision. Melissa had the Thunderbolts seek out and arrest unregistered heroes, but after the alien Skrull's secret invasion of Earth, the public's trust of superheroes waned. 
Norman Osborn, formerly the Green Goblin, manipulated his way as the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Thunderbolts, ousting Melissa. You can learn more about Norman Osborn in our Joker vs. Green Goblin duel episode. Osborn turned the Thunderbolts into his own personal hit squad, recruiting deadly assassins such as Bullseye, and Melissa had to escape her own team's attempt to kill her and go into hiding. She vowed to stop Osborn and tried to assemble the original Thunderbolts to do so, but was unsuccessful. Ultimately, Osborn was defeated by the Avengers and Melissa was assigned as Warden of the woman's side of the Raft Prison for superhuman offenders. In that capacity, she helped form a new Thunderbolts group under the leadership of Luke Cage, and she helped train and rehabilitate inmates to become heroes in the Thunderbolts beta program. Melissa then moved on and became an Avenger, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. to infiltrate the AIM organization, then known as Avengers Idea Mechanics run by Sunspot, whom you can learn more about in our Starfire vs. Sunspot duel episode. Melissa helped AIM defeat the Revengers supervillain team and then rejoined the Thunderbolts under the new leadership of the Winter Soldier. Their task at the time was to protect a sentient cosmic cube called Kobik and keep her out of enemy hands. Baron Zemo recruited a new team of rival Thunderbolts to attack Melissa and Winter Soldier's team in an effort to control Kobik. In that battle, Kobik expended the last of her energy and shattered across the sky. Melissa survived this fight, but mourned the loss of her former flame, Mach 10, formerly Mach 1. And that's her history. Powers-wise, Songbird can manipulate sound for a variety of effects due to her vocal cord implants and sound tech developed by Claw. Is that why her, like, constructs are pink? Because it's yes. claw tech? Claw's sound constructs are also pink. Okay, cool. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. With the sound of her voice, she can generate sound waves that function as force blasts or resonate at a frequency that forms into hard sound constructs. Songbird can shape these constructs into a wide variety of forms, such as force fields, battering rams, chains, wrecking balls, and so on. She can even generate solid sound wings that she uses to fly at high speeds. Songbird can also emit her powers at sub-vocal frequencies that she can use to subconsciously influence the actions of others, but she cannot outright control them. Due to her wrestling history, Songbird is also a skilled grappler and fighter. There you go. Well, I didn't actually know too much about Songbird, and I gotta say, I'm not gonna be going into this match full of confidence here. Good. Um, yeah. Well, that's how it always should be. You know, a little worried. But uh, let me tell you all about Pied Piper. Now, Hartley Rathaway, the son of Osgood and Rachel Rathaway, was born completely deaf. His father was the multimillionaire head of the Rathaway Media Empire based in Keystone City, and he funded medical research to help cure his son's disability. After years of failed experiments, Hartley eventually gained the ability to hear as a young boy thanks to the research and development of hearing aid implants created by Dr. William Magnus that were placed surgically inside of Hartley. You can learn more about Dr. Magnus in our Metal Man vs. Colossus episode. Fascinated by sound, Hartley soon became obsessed by it, though his parents were unaware that Hartley was able to hear frequencies outside their audible spectrum and believed him to be unfocused and unambitious. They placed Hartley in the most prestigious schools, and when his obsession caused him to fail in his studies, his parents bribed the schools to give him top grades. At age 16, Hartley had re-engineered a flute capable of producing hypnotic frequencies that made people highly susceptible to his influence. 
By the time he was an adult, he was handed a leading executive role at a major firm, and Hartley had grown bored with his life. Between his privilege and ability to literally make anyone do anything he wanted, Hartley turned to a life of crime for the thrills, challenges, and the opportunity to use his abilities on a larger scale, under the moniker of the Pied Piper, and he eventually became one of the Flash's infamous rogues. You can learn more about Barry Allen the Flash in our Flash vs. Quicksilver episode. Thwarted and imprisoned by the Flash, Hartley became a disgrace to his parents, who successfully bribed the police to falsify Hartley's records under the name Henry Darrow, not knowing Hartley had already given the police the false name of Thomas Peterson. Despite his parents, Hartley sent his stolen goods over the years to his parents' home, knowing they could not turn over the items to the police without implicating their son and ruining their good name. When Barry Allen the Flash sacrificed his life during the Crisis on Infinite Earths event, Hartley became disillusioned with the villain lifestyle and decided to reform, moving to New York and using his wealth to help serve the poor and underprivileged. He also became a good friend to Wally West, the Flash's former sidekick who had taken up his mentor's mantle. You can learn more about Wally in our Flash vs. Speedball episode. Wally shared with Hartley that he was the new Flash, and Hartley shared with Wally and his wife Linda that he was gay, noting the irony that he had also gone straight from his life of crime. When Wally decided to move from Central City to Keystone City, Hartley helped him move, partly because he had also received a letter from his mom Rachel asking him to visit her and his father in Keystone to reconcile. When Hartley visited his parents, he found them being held hostage by the Flash villain, the Turtle, and Hartley picked up his flute once again to rescue his parents. Redeemed in their eyes, Hartley stayed with them for a time while helping Wally on occasion during his adventures whenever he needed help with science or technology. After returning to New York for a time, Hartley received a letter from his father, Osgood, asking for a favor. When Hartley arrived in Keystone, he was arrested by the police for the murder of his parents, though he would later learn that Mirror Master, another Flash rogue, had framed him. Hartley was imprisoned in Iron Heights, though he was able to break out and cut a deal with fellow reformed Flash rogue, the Trickster, now an FBI agent, who you can learn more about in our Trickster vs. Toad duel episode. By this time, Wally had made a deal with the Spectre, who you can learn more about in our Spectre vs. Galactus episode, to erase the knowledge of his identity as the Flash from everyone's minds, including Hartley's, after Zoom had caused his wife Linda to miscarry. It was later revealed that Wally's mentor, Barry Allen, had also manipulated minds when he had previously asked the magical hero Zatanna to alter the personality of the murderous villain, The Top, in order to make him good. The Top was subsequently driven insane with guilt over what he had done as a villain and used his own psychic power to alter the minds of some of Flash's rogues in the past, including Pied Piper and the Trickster implying that was why they had stopped being villains. When the top undid his psychic rewiring on Hartley, he and the Flash fought, though Wally unmasked himself to Hartley once again, unlocking Hartley's memories of their past friendship, and he decided to remain a hero. As part of the deal made with the Trickster, Pied Piper attempted to infiltrate the rogues, but when they ended up killing the hero Bart Allen, who was the Flash at the time, Pied Piper and Trickster went on the run, handcuffed together and eventually hunted by the Suicide Squad over Bart Allen's death. 
Trickster seemingly sacrificed his life to protect Hartley from a bullet by Deadshot, and Hartley fled into the desert, where he was abducted by Desaad, Darkseid's right-hand man from the planet Apocalypse. Desaad revealed that not only was he responsible for Hartley's recent misfortunes, but that Hartley's ability to hypnotize people was derived from channeling the frequency of the Anti-Life Equation, a formula sought by Darkseid that would allow him to sap the free will of and control every being in the universe. Rather than allow Desaad to gain information on the equation, Hartley killed him with a song, along with the sentient AI, Brother Eye, that had merged with the planet Apocalypse. Surviving the planet's destruction, Hartley returned to Earth and helped the rogues kill the villain Inertia, who had tricked them into killing Bar Allen, though Hartley also used the opportunity to get revenge on Mirror Master for killing his parents, after which Hartley turned himself into the police. In post-Flashpoint continuity, Hartley existed as a reformed rogue-turned-vigilante known as the Pied Piper who left the life behind to become the conductor of the Central City Orchestra. He also developed a relationship with the Central City Police Department Crime Lab Director David Singh. Powers-wise, Pied Piper is a master of sound manipulation, which he's able to do using songs generated by a technically modified sophisticated flute though he's able to turn almost anything that makes sound into a weapon, including a touchtone telephone or a blade of grass. Using sound, he's able to control or manipulate other humans or animals, particularly rats and pigeons, and he can also produce sonic blasts or barriers. A genius with technology, Pied Piper has also crafted small sonic weapons and devices such as paralyzing tuning forks. And that's Pied Piper. So are you telling me this guy single-handedly destroyed Desaad and Apocalypse on his lonesome? Yes. What the hell? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That's insane. He's done like what Superman can't even do. Well, it helped that Apocalypse had been taken over by a sentient AI that he was able to destroy. So it's not like he blew up the planet, but he broke down the AI that had merged with the planet. And over the years, Pied Piper has become increasingly good at controlling technology with his flute. How do you control technology with a flute? Oh, he knows how to manipulate frequencies. Like, even Wi-Fi frequencies. Okay, well, lucky him. Quite the feat, though, I must say. Yeah. But now that we got both characters' histories and abilities out of the way, let's speculate on how one of the 1,000 simulated matches will go. The winner is determined by simulations, not the speculation, but it is fun to imagine how the fight could play out. We don't set any rules for this match other than the characters don't know anything about each other going in, except that the other character is a threat that needs to be put down. And we say that they start off about 50 meters apart in an environment that has no bearing on the match itself because we don't take stats for the environment. Plus certain characters have advantages in some environments over others, and we want them to win on their own merit. So let's get into it. Pied Piper and Songbird meet on the battlefield. Who goes first? I'm going to say that since Songbird can like fly pretty fast, she's going to be like overall faster than Pied Piper. So I think she's going to go first and she's going to start this match off by emitting a scream that shoots out as like this sonic force blast that's going to slam right into Pied Piper, sending him rolling backward on the ground. No, because like as this force blast is coming at Pied Piper, he's just going to quickly play a note on his flute that creates a sonic barrier right, right in front of him, just the sonic wall, and it's going to block that blast. And as he's hitting that note, he's going to like pull out a tuning fork with one hand, and he's going to capture the frequency of her sonic force. So now he knows what that is. 
isn't a flute a two-handed instrument? How is he going to play a flute and hold a tuning fork at the same time? I It probably depends on the notes. I am not sure. Like, I don't play the <laughs> flute. I'm just going to say he's, like, that talented with it either way. Okay. Well, as Songbird sees that her sonic scream is being blocked, uh, she's going to convert this force beam into a group of hawk constructs, like birds. And uh-huh. they're going to fly around this wall barrier that Pied Piper created and with their like sound energy claws and beaks they're just gonna dive bomb Pied Piper and scratch and claw the shit out of him and one of these bird constructs is just gonna snatch his flute out of his hands. Nah. Okay I mean Pied Piper knows the sound frequency of Songbird's sound energy though right? So he's gonna pull out like this small sonic device like a tiny sound grenade and he's gonna like tune it really quick with his tuning fork and then hurl that thing at the hawk construct that's holding his flute. And that's gonna disrupt it and cause it to drop his flute. Disrupt it how? Like it, he can dissipate Songbird's constructs? Like I was imagining like this device emits like a competing frequency that causes the bird construct to glitch, you know, and like lose solid form. So the flute is gonna drop mm-hmm. from its grasp. And so okay. like Pied Piper, he's gonna grab the flute and he's gonna play a song that summons a huge flock of pigeons, like a lot of them. And they're gonna attack the hawk constructs and Songbird. Dude, you must hate pigeons, cause hawks can beat the shit out of pigeons, especially like not real sound energy hawks. These pigeons just get decimated. So yeah, all these pigeons die and Songbird is able to defend herself from Pied Piper's birds. Feathers flying everywhere and Pied Piper just feels really dumb. And then uh, Songbird, she's going to fly up into the air with her sound construct wings, and she's going to generate this piano construct that drops right onto Pied Piper, crushing him to death. But no, I'm going to say that like as this pigeon massacre was happening, and Pied Piper's just like, oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> he's probably freaked out by that. So he's going to play a new tune that's going to cloak his appearance from Songbird's mind. It's going to create this like hypnotic illusion that's going to make Songbird think that he's somewhere he's actually not. So that piano that fell, it just hits the ground, completely missing Pied Piper. Well, Songbird's going to be like, what the hell just happened? She's going to be really confused. Like he was there. He's not there. Where is he? What's going on? So she's going to send out this sonar cry to get a reading on the environment to find out where Pied Piper actually is. And uh, once she zones in on him to keep him in place, she's gonna create this sonic construct of chains that wrap around his body and prevent him from moving his arms, which are like now chained to his sides. Mm -hmm. So with Pied Piper incapacitated, Songbird is gonna create this like battering ram in front of her as she's flying toward him and she's just going to fly right into him, just knocking the shit out of the sky, sending him flying backward. Mm, okay. I'm going to say that, like, that attack probably also broke the chains that were binding him, all right? So, like, as he's lying on the ground in deep pain, he's going to, like, <laughs> lift up his flute and gently play into it, and he's going to, like, summon a swarm <laughs> of rats that cover his whole area and shield him from Songbird's sight as he mixes in a song that helps him, like, recover faster. What?! Recover? What? How the fuck is that happening? It's like a healing song? Yeah, I mean, like uh, aromatherapy, you know? This is like uh-huh. auditory therapy. It like oh, boosts stupid. his healing response. Oh my god. Okay, he's gonna need this healing song by Marvin Gaye, because <laughs> while in the air, Songbird creates this giant broom. 
it's gonna swat away the rats and, and sweep them away from the area and uncover Pied Piper's location. So she sees him playing his dumb flute. Okay, but right when she spots him, he's gonna start playing this new hypnotizing song, probably also Marvin Gaye, that's gonna <laughs> cause Songbird to go into a trance and she's just gonna start punching herself, just like knocking herself out of the air. All right, so she punches herself in the face and she falls and crashes into the ground, but that is gonna knock her out of the trance that she's in. So she realizes that Pied Piper can like emit these hypnotic sounds. So she's gonna create these uh, sonic earmuff constructs so she can't hear anything anymore, including his flute. And then she's just gonna generate this big ass broadsword construct that she sends flying right at Pied Piper and it runs right through him, impaling him and ending this match. No, but like as the sword is coming for him, you know, he sees it and he's gonna play a few trills on his flute, like similar to the tone of his tuning fork. And that's gonna cause the sword construct to like warp out of shape due to like the flute's competing frequency. And then like Mm -hmm. a snake charmer, he's just gonna take control of this construct's sound energy and he's gonna warp it to form into this like tendril that flies at Songbird and wraps around her like an anaconda, just squeezing the life out of her. How does he take control of her sound energy? It's sound. He can fuck with it. It's all about frequencies, man. All All right, whatever. Okay, so this sound energy is squeezing her like a snake, but I'm gonna say that before she gets squeezed to death. She summons like, one last, like, really loud shout that's just gonna freaking break Pied Piper's ears, his hearing aids. Uh, it's gonna break his flute and all of his gadgets that he has. It's gonna break his skull. It's just gonna what? shatter all of his shit. And Jeez. Pied Piper just bleeds out of his ears and then dies. It's Match like over. scanners? Yep, yep. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, I accept that in reality, though, all of this has been a dream. Pied Piper lulled Songbird to sleep with a song on his flute, like, at the beginning of the match. She didn't even know. Except I'm going to say that at the start of the match, Songbird was using a sub-vocal frequency to subtly convince Pied Piper that winning by lulling people to sleep is some weak-ass shit. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I shouldn't do that then. (laughs) He doesn't hear with his ears, so, like, that would not work. Okay, either it all was a dream and Pied Piper wins, or it wasn't a dream, it all really happened, and Pied Piper's skull gets shattered. We'll go ahead and leave it there. We'll find out which scenario happens when we run the stats on these characters and find out which one wins. Okay, so I was a little nervous when you first broke down Songbird's powers and abilities because she basically sounds like Green Lantern. And I knew more or less that she was going into this match, but uh, I wasn't aware just how powerful she was, I guess. Well, I mean, if Songbird is like Green Lantern, you could kind of say that Pied Piper is like Hector Hammond, who is a Green Lantern villain who can control minds, you know? Yeah, So it's still an apt matchup because Pied Piper actually is incredibly versatile and can do all manners of weird ass shit, like make himself invisible through like hypnotic illusion. Yeah, that was actually reflected in the stats. Uh, Pied Piper was more versatile than Songbird. He was also more intelligent, we said. We had a hard time figuring out which stat would quantify his hypnotism ability. 
But we said it was intelligence and evasiveness, essentially, considering the fact that in a fight, you're more likely to use hypnotism to avoid being attacked. It also reflected in his versatility, although he wasn't so much more versatile than Songbird because she can do all sorts of things using her constructs. Again, similar to a Green Lantern. We did say that Songbird was a better fighter due to her wrestling history, and she was stronger. There are conflicting reports as to whether or not Songbird actually has enhanced strength. In the end, it didn't really matter because she can lift heavy things anyway through her constructs. But these two were similarly evasive. Their ability to avoid damage through force fields or hypnotic suggestion was pretty powerful, and they're both incredibly capable of dealing out damage. When either of them receive damage, though, you know, they take it about the same, and their range was also on par with each other as well. Same thing with Perception. Songbird has been shown to have like sonar-like abilities. And of course, Pied Piper can hear all the frequencies, which helps with his perception. So with all those stats accounted for and tabulated, who do you think is going to win this one, Jonathan? I mean, I'm hoping it's Pied Piper, though those hopes aren't high, honestly. Our Instagram followers definitely think that Songbird is going to win. 55% of them chose her over Pied Piper. And I think the match will be close though hopefully in Pied Piper's favor. Well, let's see who's right. The winner between Pied Piper and Songbird is Songbird. And it wasn't that close, actually. Songbird won 671 of the 1,000 matches, with Pied Piper only winning 329, according to the simulations. Dang it! Yeah, it wasn't that great of a showing for Pied Piper. You know, he did outclass Songbird in versatility and intellect, but Songbird was too fast, too strong, and too good of a fighter for Pied Piper to get much leeway. So basically, she outclassed him in the physical stats. That sucks! Yeah, Songbird is quite the physical specimen, and she has way cooler hair than Pied Piper. She should win just by style points alone. Nah, dude, like, you can't even see Pied Piper's hair. He's, like, hidden beneath, like, a green hood, like a badass with, like, glowing eyes. I guess that's pretty cool, but these stats make sense to me. You know, Green Lantern often defeats Hector Hammond. It stands to reason that Songbird would beat Pied Piper. I definitely got worried when you broke down her powers and abilities, but then I got confident during the speculation, and uh, (laughs) I I guess it was just overconfidence. Pied Piper is a cool character, though. Like, that's a pretty cool ability that he has. I'm interested in hearing how you're going to use him in the team match because I feel like he's going to really affect things when the rogues go up against the Brotherhood. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the whole thing is going to end up in a dream. Oh, God. Like a dream better not, right? No, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But that does it for this duel, guys. Let us know what you thought about the results by writing to us at dynamicduelpodcast at gmail.com or by visiting us on Instagram or Twitter. You can find links to all of our accounts by checking out our show notes or visiting our website, dynamicduel.com. And on our site, you could also find a link to our Patreon page where you could join our Dynamic 2.0 tier and chat with us and fellow listeners, our Fantastic Four tier, which gets you bonus content each month, or our X-Force tier that makes you an executive producer of this podcast. If you can't join Patreon, you could still support the show by signing up for our e-newsletter, also at dynamicduel.com. And I promise we're not going to send you like an email every day. It's like one email a week when an episode drops. Right, or like if we have a big announcement or something. Yeah, which is pretty rare. But uh, that does it for this episode. In our next episode, we will be doing another duel, this time between The Top and Whirlwind. Both of these guys are villains that can spin really fast, and I'm excited to see who can turn out a win. It's going to be like the most exciting Beyblades match ever. (laughs) 
Or Spin Fighters. I remember those from uh, childhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those two. We want to give a big thanks to our executive producers, Ken Johnson, John Starosky, Zachary Hepburn, Dustin Balcom, Mickey Mathagian, Brandon Estergaard, Nathaniel Wagner, Levi Yaton, Nick Abonto, Austin Wasilowski, AJ Dunkerley, Scott Camacho, and Gil Camacho for helping make this podcast possible. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Up, up, and away. True believers.